Monday, November 7th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool's stock advisor, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Charlie Travers. Guys, happy Monday. Hey, Chris. Uh, we are going to open up the week with a round of Yes, No, Maybe So. This is where the guys give a stock they really like, a stock they really don't like, and one that they are on the fence uh, about. Uh, we are going to start with the Yes stocks. Jason, what is your Yes stock? Joy Global. Has everybody jumping for joy? Uh, it's it's a uh, stock that I added to my Rising Star portfolio uh, about a month ago, and so Joy Global is an industrial mining machinery producer, and they uh, are they function as the world's largest producer of electric mining shovels and the largest producer of underground mining machinery. And so the gist of this is that about two thirds of their profits or two thirds of their revenues come from coal, and coal I think uh, typically gets kind of a bad Wrap. I mean, it's it's dirty. You know, it's polluting. Uh, but yeah, it, the fact it, of the matter it, it is, it needs a new PR. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, while we're looking at uh, you know, I mean, uh, a number of different alternative energy sources here in developed economies, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is that the the emerging economies still uh, all over the globe uh, are depending on on you know resources like coal to uh, you know. F- Help their their energy infrastructures, mm-hmm. uh, producing steel, producing the infrastructure these companies need, uh, these countries need to develop, and so Joy Global helps produce all of the equipment that that goes into mining these these you know materials. So it's not just coal. I mean, you, copper plays a role in it and, and gold as well. But but it's a, a global global company that has a pretty strong position. Why would I go if I if if I was on the other side and I'm looking for this kind of equipment? Why am I going with a Joy Global as opposed to like a Caterpillar or United Technologies that kind of thing? That's a good point. I mean, Caterpillar actually just got into this this particular line of work and so what we've seen for the most part is that Joy Global has has for the most part been competing with uh, a lot of producers in in different countries that produce cheaper but less uh, the, the equipment's of, of less quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Joy Global is is working on trying to convince these these uh, you know companies in different countries that their best bet is to go with Joy Global equipment because it's better equipment. It's going to last longer. It's going to going to give them uh, you know better economic results. Uh, that's I think a little bit of a uh, I'd say a tough uphill uphill climb. It's one they're working on. Uh, but but so far, you know, they've been they've been doing pretty well. We've seen a lot of these mining companies; they're upping their capital expenditures now, mm-hmm. which means that they're anticipating seeing a lot more demand for materials like coal and gold and copper and things like that. And so that's a that's a sign that bodes well for for Joy Global and companies like Caterpillar as well. They're seeing uh, more demand and sort of a replacement cycle of those material or those uh, that, that machinery. Charlie, what's your yes stock? I'm going with a biotech company called Dendrion. Um, the stock has been absolutely wrecked this year. It was over $40 a share in April, and it's down to 6 right now. Not, Ouch. not a good year for Dendrion. <laughs> Shareholders, uh, last week in, when they reported earnings, it yep. dropped another 40%. What are you, um, a glutton for punishment? What, like, what no, you... I, I think this is some uh, you know old-fashioned bargain hunting right here. Really? Yeah, so they have a product called Provenge. It's approved by the FDA last year. It's an immunotherapy for treating prostate cancer, which means uh, basically what the company does is take your cells, uh, they go process, work their magic in their manufacturing facilities, and inject it back into you to get your own immune system to fight the cancer. And this is shown to prolong survival in men with the disease. Uh, so it's been a slow launch. Mm-hmm. Management doesn't have a lot of credibility because they cut their guidance in half at the end of Q2. And But at the end of the day, I think they do have a valuable product, and the stock will go up if you're willing to give them a year or two to uh, kind of improve on the sales trajectory of Provenge. But I think this is a hot product. Biotech is one of those things that I think, as 
an investor, it sounds interesting. It's, uh, it's like, oh, there have got to be opportunities in biotech. And yet it just seems like a total minefield. Like, kind of wh- like bungee jumping. It like, <laughs> sounds great at the time. And then when you're halfway down, maybe not. So, like, what, I mean, I know this is an area that you focus on a lot. What do you, yeah. think, what do you think is the big mistake that people make when they are looking at biotech stocks? Uh, probably having too short of a time horizon. I think people view, you know, they see the big jumps that you can get on a winner and they think this is like a way to get some quick money when in reality drug development and the sales ramp period takes many years. And so people get um, too antsy and yeah. they want results now and they put too much money into the stock. So when something bad happens, like with Dendron this year, they lose more than they sh- probably should have been exposed to. Um, so I think Use smaller amounts of money and take a five-plus year outlook. And Dendrion is kind of a smaller player. Um, uh, another uh, pharmaceutical company that uh, I think is a global gains recommendation is uh, is Teva Pharmaceuticals. Yes, they sort of went the um, uh, the joint venture route with Procter and Gamble. Like, is that is that generally a good sign? Like, if if Dendrion were to get itself a big honk and partner like like Procter and Gamble, would th- would well, that make your day? That's one way they can get some values because they own all the world right, rights right now, um, and they probably need to mark uh, partner with somebody to market internationally. So yep. that would bring in some cash today and some marketing muscle and some expertise abroad. Okay, let's move over to the no stocks, Jason Moser. What do you got? Well, it's one that we seem to talk about a lot here. But, um, you know, we talked about it the other day, Sirius Radio, and it's just one that I I still can't get behind. You're looking at a stock here that's it's down about 80 percent over the last five years. Uh, You're looking at, I think, more and more substitutes coming onto the market every day. It seems like you've got, you know, for example, I know that many of our listeners out there love that when when we use Pandora as an example. But the fact of the matter exists that they they have, uh, you know, Pandora is making deals with automakers to get their equipment in there for internet radio. You know, the shares outstanding in Sirius have tripled over the last three, uh, five years, I'm sorry, which is, is you know, that, that's killing value right there. You know, they're, they're looking at potential price, or they're going to be increasing the prices for the service. They're looking at potential contact costs going up. You know, not to mention the fact that the balance sheet, while it's improving, is still a mess. So, I mean, the bottom line is you have a cool service, I think, in Sirius, and I, and I love Howard Stern. But, you know, the stock has, has just been – it's not a value creator, and it's not a stock that I'd want to But, I mean, to go back to the automakers for a second, when you look at Ford and GM and the relationships that Sirius XM has had in place for a long time, like, like I, I, I get what you're saying, but I also sort of look at those relationships and just think to myself, okay, this isn't going away. Like, Sirius XM just sort of seems like it's here to stay. Well, I don't think the concept is going away, but the thing is, you know, for, for the past, well, I don't know, five, ten years, it's been Sirius XM or Sirius and XM. Uh, but now what we're looking at is while the concept will stay, it doesn't necessarily have to be Sirius XM. And so when you see companies like Pandora and whoever else, whoever else comes in uh, to, to you know compete there, I think that it's going to really give Sirius a run for their money. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the upcoming rate hike that is coming for Sirius XM subscribers. Charlie, we've talked about this before with, with Netflix and the way that they handled mm-hmm. their rate hike. Do you have any advice for Mel Carmazin over at Sirius XM for... <laughs> For how to sort of massage that that news and, and there's get it. no way of getting around it. I mean, sometimes you just got to suck it up and raise prices because it's best for your business and your customers will just have to adjust to life and move on. All right. So your no stock. What do you got? Research in motion. Oh, the poor people at Rim. You know, I understand the desire for people to maybe you know I talked about Dendrion being a bargain basement kind of thing. Yep. 
Research in Motion shares have fallen from 70 to 18. It's trading at three times earnings and below book value. And for somebody who wants to focus on the numbers, that might you know, look like you know a diamond in the rough. The thing is, I think it's too good to be true. Yep. BlackBerry continues to lose market share to Android and iPhone, and you know, out in Asia, uh, we follow Telecom Indonesia. BlackBerry's been doing very well over there, um, but the Nokia Microsoft uh, pairing is going to be very strong internationally. Uh, probably not so much in the U.S. I I just see eroding profits in the future of research in motion, and this will be a classic value trap. Um, I you know I get the competition certainly you know Apple Google they're like I, I get all of that but just in terms of the stock again I mean this is a company that has seventy million subscribers right. there's no value to be had there there's no there's no and I mean I said, think the profits will fall very fast and so you know <laughs> what you know they're doing about two or three billion right now which looks very strong it could just go away so quickly um, but you're right if it doesn't if they survive the stock could do very well. Um, I'm just, I don't think most people should take this kind of chance. Jason, what would you rather have? $100 worth of RIM stock or $100 worth of SiriusXM stock? Oh, man. You know, in this case, I would actually have to probably go with Sirius. I mean, I, I just don't <laughs> wow. think, I don't really think I see RIM doing much. I mean, it seems like every earnings call uh, for Apple, for example, you see that the, the percentage keeps on going up of Fortune 500 companies and Global 500 companies that are implementing or testing iPads and iPhones. And so it's like all these companies are, are they're going away from from the BlackBerry. I just I just don't see I don't see that one really surviving. I, I agree with Charlie. I think it's a classic value trap. Serious. I think they still have a chance. Charlie, what would you rather have? Yours or here's? <laughs> I have the cash. <laughs> no, I'm yeah, not just I think, uh... I'll buy you a hundred dollars worth of stock. <laughs> I'm not just handing you a hundred dollar bill. All right, before we uh, get to the maybe-so stocks, a couple of housekeeping notes. Um, got an email regarding our discussion last week on franchising. Uh, J.D. Cummings writes, I was just watching your video podcast, and I wanted to follow up about something related to Chipotle that you mentioned. In your discussion, you talked a lot about the difference between franchise versus company-owned chains. I just wanted to clarify that although Chipotle did experiment with franchising for a short period of time, currently every Chipotle location is owned and operated by Chipotle Mexican Grill. Again, that comes from J.D. Cummings, who is a national recruiting consultant uh, for Chipotle. So, thank you for the clarification. Sorry that we botched that. Uh, But uh, just to pick up on something he does reference in the email, yes, we are now videotaping our daily podcast. Um, You can check them out if you're interested at FoolTV.com. Just go to www.FoolTV.com. One other housekeeping note, uh, as I mentioned last Thursday, this weekend, the 2011 Podcast Award winners were announced, and sadly, we were not among them. Uh, so, uh, thanks again to all of our listeners who voted. We got some really great emails. Uh, it was really, uh, it was really wonderful. So, it was. I, I guess we'll be in like the Susan Lucci, isn't she? The like the daytime Emmy, like gets Just nominated the, all the time. Yep. Always a bridesmaid. Anyway, thank Forever you. Do we get a small trophy that says participant? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, yes. It's uh, it's one of those. What is the joke on The Simpsons? Everybody gets a trophy yeah, day. Everybody yeah, gets a trophy. It's one of those. All right, let's move on to the maybe so stocks. This is my favorite because this is where I can see the conflict on your face. Jason Moser, what's your maybe so stock? My maybe so actually sounds like a biotech, but it's not. It's called Ecolab, and it's a company that develops and markets products and services. 
for the hospitality, food service, healthcare uh, industries. Um, and they're producing things like cleaning and sanitizing products, pest elimination products, maintenance and repair services. Yep. So they're focusing on big industry here. It's about a $57 billion industry. They have about 10% control of that. So they, they, have a good, uh, they have a good bit of market share there. And so really, there's, there are a lot of things I like about this company. I mean, it seemed to me to very, it's very uh, much a Buffett-style investment. They, they maintain higher returns on equity very consistently. They seem to have a pretty good moat in that they uh, they're hawking a necessary product that it's recurring in nature because mm-hmm. you know cleaning products are always running out and you got to buy more and they you know just with their scale uh, they're they're the leader in, in the market uh, the problem I'm having trouble getting past is twofold number one the valuation I think it's a little bit uh, on the high side mm-hmm. so I'd like to see the price come back down a little bit and then number two they're just in the middle of uh, finishing up uh, this acquisition uh, acquisition with a company called um, Nalco, and so Nalco is this uh, acquisition about eight eight billion dollar acquisition that's going to give them exposure to the uh, the global water treatment industry, which will expand their business. But they've never taken on an acquisition of this size. Uh, they they've taken on smaller acquisitions yep. as they've grown. Uh, it remains to be seen whether they'll be able to pull this one off or not. I, everything leads me to believe they will be uh, able to do that, but it's still kind of got me on the fence. Now, you said that they, you think they have a pretty good moat, but when I hear about that type of business, I think of Cisco, which is not Cisco Systems, but the SYSCO. Isn't Cisco also in that? I, mean, I know they're in the food service uh, industry, but it seems like they also have a little bit of the 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 type of services that you're talking yeah, and about. And I think as well. what you're looking at with Cisco is a little bit more of a uh, Cisco I think focuses a little bit more on a little bit of a lot of different parts of that yep. industry, whereas uh, Ecolab is focused very much on the okay. uh, the cleaning and sanitizing and pest elimination side of things. And so they deal obviously in chemicals um, and things like that. So production costs can be a factor there and, and that can be certainly a risk that comes into play. Uh, but given their their market market share, uh, that's that's where I think their their mode exists. Charlie, what's your maybe so stock? Uh, Krispy Kreme. Really? I, I know you're a fan of donuts, but maybe I, you're I'm a Dunkin' a, guy. I'm absolutely a, a fan of donuts. Yeah, Dunkin'. Well, and it's it's growing up in the Northeast and uh, just like it is for people, I guess, in the South and people who go to like school you. in uh, Carolina. I grew up on Krispy Kremes, yep. Yeah. That was Charleston, South Carolina. That was where it was. And, but I, I can even remember as a kid thinking, man, I wish we had a Dunkin' Donuts around here. But, you know, looking back, I think given the yeah. two, I'd rather go Krispy Kreme. So what I like about them right now is Krispy Kreme has really come – back from the dead and all the accounting scandals, the management yep. problems. This is going to be Krispy Kreme's most profitable year since 2004. And they've had 11 quarters of same-store sale increases. And their international pipeline, uh, they licensed the brand. Uh, they're in the UK, Mexico, Japan. is really? pretty strong. Yeah. So the business is doing well. Um, the maybe so part of it is, in general, I don't like paying 30 times earnings for <laughs> restaurant stocks. So the market has caught on that Krispy Kreme is generating cash and runs a very profitable business. Um, so I don't really care for the price, but I like what they're doing. I, the reason I was surprised about the international expansion, when you look at this space and, and the competitors, obviously, um, companies like Starbucks and, you know, to the extent that they are a player in, in sort of breakfast pastries, McDonald's, obviously, they've They've got a good handle on the international expansion. Dunkin' Donuts, on the other hand, Dunkin' Brands, um, is really just trying to figure out how to expand beyond New England and right, sort of right. like New York, New Jersey, that sort of thing. Um, how, is, how is Krispy Kreme able to do that? 
uh, through partners who are uh, their franchisees. So you talked about okay. Chipotle earlier. About ninety percent of Krispy Kremes are franchised, so they don't run them themselves. They team up with local operators who have the cash and the expertise. How much of this for you, when you look at this stock and, and you're thinking about getting in, how much of it is related to management? Because as you alluded to, um, certainly they they had some problems with management before. Right. I'd always prefer to invest with people who are sharp and running the business and shareholder interests, which was not the case previously, a little self-serving and some self-dealing in their history. But that's long in the past, and I think Krispy Kreme's on the right track. What's your go-to donut over there, Jason? Krispy Kreme? Yeah, just, oh, I, you just have to go just, basic glaze. Just, I think if you can get it right when the hot sign is flashing so you know they're right out, that's it. Those just, things are money. Just melt in your mouth. Yeah, Charlie, yeah. same for you? Uh, the chocolate glazed. Really? Yeah, so you get a glazed donut with like a, a chocolate frosting on top. Yeah, it's always my go-to. So there's, there's not enough frosting. There's just that added <laughs> you got to really jack up the sugar content. <laughs> if you're going to go, you know, go all the way. Go huge. Charlie Travers, Jason Moser. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.